Praise the Lord, man. Check this out, man. I don't know about you, but but if you if it's you know if you're wondering what this looks like, man, this like to, to be exactly what we were talking about up there, to singing about, and maybe you know what, maybe uh you know you've been coming here a little bit and you're kind of still checking this thing out. Maybe you guys, you know, maybe you snuck in here because you thought you'd get a free show, all right, or whatever the case may be, all right. But 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 you know, you picked a good day to be here, ain't that right, church? Praise the Lord, man. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Now, 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 if you are the church, all right, because this, 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 this is not the church, right? This is the church. Amen. All right. Now, if you're the church, man, you really need to hear this. Amen. <laughs> I'm listening too, man, because I need to hear this also. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, guide us. Amen. So last year, I heard uh, this uh, theory on human behavior. All right, I heard about this theory on human behavior. It's called 108010 principle. All right, anybody ever heard of the 108010 principle? Some of you, nobody. Good man, I'm gonna tell you what it's all about. All right, check this out. There's this, there's this principle, this theory out there about the, about human behavior, and it's called the 108010 principle. And what this means is basically, and then you know, if this has been applied to leadership, it's been applied to organizational work ethics, uh, even survival. All right, and what it basically means is that, is that, is that out of 100% of the population of the human race, all right, it says 10%, all right, this theory on human behavior, 10% will lead to productivity, to productivity. 10% will lead to productivity. 80% will need to be led into productivity, and the other 10% are just counterproductive. All right, that used to be me for a long time. All right, so and so and so basically, when you when you look at this, all right, when you check this out, you have you you know when you think about things like even in an emergency situation, it really shows up quickly. When you have an emergency situation, you know the place is on fire or something's crazy. All right, you know it's going on, and and, and you recognize that ten percent of the people, all right, are gonna are, are leaders. All right, they're they're ready to move. They're ready to take action. May even have a plan. Man, all right, they're ready to do the right thing. All right, they're quick to assess what's taking place and make decisions. Right, and eighty percent, all right, in a crisis and an emergency, maybe a little bit panicky, maybe even confused, maybe even well looking, you know, trying to make sense of all this, having to struggle with that, and looking for someone to just lead the way. Just looking for someone to just kind of lead the way, give us some direction. And then there's that other 10%, you know, the folios, all right, <laughs> who behave counterproductive, all right? They, they, they look for, um, and they intentionally look for ways to ignore authority and are even sometimes counterproductive even to their own hurt and sometimes even to their own demise. And these, this last 10%, they just breed chaos. Uh, especially in these emergency situations. Now, which of these percents should the church be? Think about it. Which percent uh, should we be? The, the, the ten, the first ten, the the second eighty, or the last ten? All right, we should be the first ten, man. That's what we should be, right? I mean, let me ask you this: to make it even more personal, which which one do you want to be? What do you want to be? 
All right, you want to be that first 10, man. All right, let me ask you, is it possible for everybody in this room and everybody watching online, is it possible for us to be that first 10? Yeah. Ooh, come on, man, where you at? I believe it is, man. What, is it possible to, to maybe even change like uh, this whole theory, all right, uh, by being an infectious first 10 that maybe no longer is it this 10%, but maybe it's a, it's a 20%, all right? Or maybe it's, it's a 30%, or maybe it's a 40%, and we stop not, you know, and it's changing this whole principle. Is it even possible? <laughs> Of course it is. <laughs> I believe that it's not only possible, it is our position. Say my position. My Say it's my position. My I'm going to own it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. I can prove it. Check it out. Uh, I love Kat, man. She just made that. She just made it clear. Let me just take the second half of what she just read and read this over. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. I know, huh? Right? <laughs> but now you're God's people. Right? Once you've not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, beloved. He's talking to us, man, the ones who like being loved. All right, beloved. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul, and to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify your God on the day of visitation. Here's what that whole thing tells me, and this is the progression today. So if you need to sneak out of here early, here's what I need you to understand. Two things, man, this first thing and then the second thing, all right? God gives us an identity, all right? We'll put it up there so you can read it. Check this out. If you want to write this down, you probably want to write it down, maybe you get it tattooed on your forehead. It might be a good thing. All right, check this out. God gives us an identity that reveals belonging which gives us the beginning of a sense of autonomy, what kind of power, kind of influence that we have in the world. And that leads us to a life of purpose, a life of purpose. You know, a few weeks ago, I shared from, that from the get-go, uh, the, the, the pursuit in human life is, 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 is these things, all right, is, 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 uh, is um, identity, belonging, and autonomy. All right, I shared this, man, and, but here's the thing, all right, we want to be that first 10, right? We don't want to be, you know, we want to be that first 10, but here's what you got to understand. Uh, you can't claim the title without owning the position. You cannot claim the title without just, without owning the position, and this is the norm of the world today. All right, this is the norm. I mean, you know, how many people are calling themselves a dad, but they don't own the position? They're just claiming the title. How many people are calling themselves a mom, but she ain't open to owning the position? They're just claiming the title, or a husband, or a wife. And you know what? We're just, we're just, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not owning the position. We're just claiming titles. I believe we're the people, man, that's going to change that. All right, and we need to be about changing that because you cannot merely claim the title all right, we got to own the position. All right, so, so, so 
I want to challenge us, man, with, with, this, with this progression today of, of identity, of belonging, autonomy, and then purpose, all right? And this is going to, this, this leads to that pathway of owning the position, and I will prove it, all right? Because I, here's the thing about identity. We often identify ourselves by what? What do we normally de- de- identify ourselves by? By our job, all right? What we do, all right? You know what I mean? I'm a mechanic. All right, you know what I mean? You know, um, I'm, uh, uh, you know I'm a seamstress. Is that, yes, that's probably your job, right? All right? I'm trying to figure out, I'm thinking on the fly, sorry about that. All right, but you know, we, 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 we own, you know, I'm a plumber. Yeah, we can tell by your crack. Anyways, you know what I mean? So, so you know, sh- wait, you know what I mean? They're watching online, you can't be, you know, so come on. All right, yeah, you know what I mean? You know, we just, we just try to own that. We try to uh, you know, claim this, this identity by what we do. We're not, we're, you know, what, I, what we do, is that that's not our identity. It was who we are. We, or are, we, are we claiming by who we're with? You know, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a dad. You know what I mean? Again, uh, claiming the title, do, are we owning the position? Well, and then, then the problem we have also with belonging is, you know, when, when we're looking for belonging, we're just trying to find people who look like us. And that always doesn't work out right, does it? Or maybe like a few things that we like. And that doesn't always work out right. And, or maybe there's somebody that'll just put up with their craziness, right? And other people going, yeah, they belong together, right? You know what I mean? Right? And, then when, and then when it comes to auto- autonomy, all right, where we're just, you know, this idea of, of what kind of power, what kind of influence we have in the world, I think there's a huge misconception because, you know, we're just trying to look for who we can control or what we can control. And, and none of that is right. None of that is right. That is not where we find identity. That is not how we find belonging. And that is not what autonomy is meant for. And then we also have to consider the progression of identity, belonging, and autonomy. All right? Identity must come first. Belonging must follow, and autonomy will be discovered. Now, here's what I mean by that. Because if I am pursuing, all right, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm just pursuing power, uh, you know, autonomy, power and influence, and not knowing who I am, I'm just going to end up hurting myself. If I am pursuing, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, power and, uh, you know, or before our belonging before, uh, if I'm pursuing belonging before uh, pursuing my identity, then I'm just going to hurt others. If I'm just pursuing knowing who I am without trying to understand whose I am, I'm never really going to find out who I am. For years, man. I knew, I always knew who I wanted to be or I thought who I wanted to be, but I never knew who I was. Understand what I'm saying? A lot of years, man, I knew or I thought, you know, I want to be, I want to be, or I want to be. And as your kid, you have all these things you want to be. But until you discover who you are, you'll never be able to to, to create a pathway to who you want to be. Because if I don't know where I'm at, how am I going to get to where I'm going? Because I don't know where to start. You understand what I'm saying? It's pretty simple. At least I think so. Works out in my mind, right? <laughs> but when I admitted, when I discovered and admitted that at the very base of humanity, who I was without God, that I was a sinner, right, in need of forgiveness, well, then now I had a starting place, and it's called Repentance before holy God. And I continue to live a life or pursue a life of repentance and understanding my identity. And when I discovered my identity in Jesus Christ, he immediately showed me his people 
And I recognized belonging. All right? and, and, then, and then also what, with, with his people, I recognized what we are capable of. All right? Changing the world, man. Changing the world. Nothing less than changing the world. Amen? Nothing less than changing the world. Amen? Nothing less than changing the world. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Just making sure you're still here. All right. But we cannot claim the title if we refuse to own the position. Check this out, man. First Peter goes like this, and this is where we're at, catching up to speed here. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You got your Bible out. You want to pull that out? You got an actual Bible that has pages. That's crazy. All right? That's actually really cool. All right? Pull that, pull that out. All right? We'll have Scripture up on top here just to help you out. Father, this is your word. It ain't mine. It, it, it ain't ours. It's yours. You've given it to us, all right, to, to produce a life, Lord God, that reflects your glory. So help us, Lord, with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what he says, 1 Peter chapter uh, uh, 2, verse 9. But what? But what? What are, what are the next two words? But? But what? But what? And this is an identity, man. You say, God's saying, let me just remind you of who you are. If you've given, you know, if you believe that Jesus Christ, man, came and died for your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world, man, and that, and that he was an actual dude that died, man, to physical death, right? And that he died and was buried, all right, and then rose again, all right, and is king of kings, lord of lords, the big old G that loves me, all right? If you believe that, then guess what? You are. Amen. You are. Let me tell you what you are, all right? Your chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, man, for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, that you are, this speaks louder than the planet. But we're thrown off by these, by these terms, chosen race, what? Royal priesthood, wait a second, I mean, holy nation, I'm trying to figure this all out. And the very center of that is this idea of priesthood. And I don't think we know what that means anymore because it's been tossed around so much. And we've had so many poor examples of what that looks like and so much control in that area. Well, you know what? And, and, and structure. And it's like, wait a second, man. He's saying that we are the priests. I was going to title this message. Say, man, somebody call a priest. You ever hear somebody? Somebody call a doctor. Somebody call, you know, I've never heard anybody say, say, somebody call a dentist. All right. It's probably happened sometime, right? right? But, but, but so somebody call a priest. You know what I mean? You know, that used to be a thing, man. And, and here in this case, we would say, wait, 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 wait. I am one. Hallelujah. You know, well, what is that? Let me just tell you, man. A priest chosen by God. All right, here's the position. It's very, very simple. The job description is pretty simple. All right, it can get a little bit more complicated, but I mean, it's very, very simple to begin with. The overall, the umbrella of, of the job position of a priest or the priesthood or you and me being priests that he just says we are is very simple. Number one, our, our, our job is to know God. Amen. Number one, know God. All right, number two, Make God known. There you go. <laughs> Pretty dang cool, huh? Know Jesus. Make Jesus known. Now, in that, there is maybe it gets a little more complicated. Know God. 
and pursue God daily so you can know him better. All right, know, know, know God, know Jesus. All right, all right, and make Jesus known and pursue daily uh, people who need to know Jesus and love them into the kingdom. All right? So we're going to know God. All right? And make God known. And be in a constant mad pursuit of knowing him better every day. And an equally mad pursuit of making him known every day. Making the love of Christ known for the glory of Christ. Why? Because there's a world of people out there, man. There's a world of people out there that don't know that they can know Jesus. There's a world of people out there that don't know how loved they are by the creator of everything. And if we know that, shouldn't we be making that known? Priesthood. There it is. I was, I was you know, <laughs> this dude, Tim George, he says this, every Christian is somebody else's priest. <laughs> And we're all priests to one another in the term that I just shared in the way that you define it. I was, I was at this place one day, man, and I saw this dude. And I started talking to him. And he looked like he had some mad skin problems. There were just like some blisters and there were some, um, some scabs and some, you know, and it was just like oozing in places. And we were talking. And I'm not going to lie, man, I had a hard time not looking at those things. I'm just going to be real with you. You know what I mean? I'm just looking at it. And it, like his eyes are over here. And I'm like, hey. and I'm like, and here's what's even worse. Okay, I'm going to get real with you. You're going to be like, dang, you're the pastor. Okay, check this out. <laughs> I was looking at it. And I was thinking, dang, I hope this doesn't get on me. I'm sorry. I just, I, I thought, I thought that. I thought that, man. And then I thought, but, but, but God got a hold of me. No God, make him known. God got a hold of me. All right. I didn't make that public, <laughs> all right? Um, but I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to be, you know, witty or anything. I'm trying to be, I'm just being honest, all right? I was tripping. And then I realized, I, I started to remember how Jesus would touch dudes that had mad skid diseases where things were falling off. It was called leprosy. The stuff would just fall off and Jesus would touch these dudes, man. They would, he was like, boom, touch. And, you, and it was very, very contagious, and I thought, well, if Jesus can touch them, why shouldn't I? If Jesus lives in me, you know, and, and, and he was touching, then, then, then shouldn't I touch this guy? I, mean, I didn't just start touching him, just so you know. <laughs> hey, I didn't do that. But I asked a very, very practical and very, very obvious question. I said, hey, dude, what is all that? What is all that, man? And he said, man, it's skin cancer. And he looked at me like, and he felt like, he, you know, I could tell he felt like smaller. And I just said, dude, I said, can I pray for you? He's a priest. I said, can I, can I pray for you, man? And he goes, he goes, he goes, yes. He goes, yes. He goes, I've also had it before. And look, and he showed me these mad scars. And I'm like, whoa. I go, dude, I'm going to touch you. Is that okay? And he said, yeah. And so I just put my hand on him and started to pray, all right? 
I charged him like 15 bucks, but it, it was like, I'm just kidding. See, you guys get all tripped out on that stuff, man. All right. Was, I'm just kidding, man. So, 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 so we prayed together and the look on his face changed, man. And he prayed with me and he prayed in agreement and he received the prayer, man. And I could tell he was being blessed, man. And I'll continually, continually reminded him to pray for this guy. And now you pray for him. All right. You don't need to know his name. You don't need to know where, but just pray for the dude, man. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. This is our job, man. This is what we do. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 10, this, this is our identity. This is who we are. It's who we are. Before what we do, it's who we are. All right? It's who, it's who he says we are. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, he says, you once were not a people, but now you're God's people. All right? And once did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. And what he's trying to tell us here is, man, is that your identity, all right, reveals your belonging. Identity clears up, you know, that, that question, you know, where, where should I be? Who should I be with right here? Who am I doing this with? I've given this position. All right, who else is given this position? And who else is going to change the world with me for his glory? And we have this belonging. Debbie and I, I told you so many times this story where, where we were walking in the church for the first time way back 25 years ago. We were walking in this church. We were getting to walk in this church. And we're like, you know, I, I don't know, man. This is going to be kind of weird because we've never done this before. But we're so in love with Jesus, man. We just wanted to go and just kind of hang out with Jesus' people. Right? And so well, we're rolling in. We're like thinking, man, you know, it's just going to get crazy. And, and I remember telling Debbie, I said, look, man, if Jesus is in that building, and if he's in those people, all right, if Jesus is in those people, then, then, then the Jesus in them, all right, will welcome the Jesus in us. Or the Jesus in them will share Jesus with us. And if those two, neither of those two things happen, then Jesus isn't there and we don't belong there anyways. Amen? God gives us identity. And our identity reveals our belonging. And look what he says in verse 11. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh, of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Now, this is a crazy, crazy kind of passage here, all right? But he says, look, at I, I urge you as soldiers, basically, as just, as just passing through, all right, and exiles, you know, this is not really our true home. Our home is in Christ and in, you know, and in the kingdom of God, all right? And, and we're passing through and we're making, hopefully, a big difference for the glory of Jesus Christ and, 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 for, and for love of others and, 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 just, and just helping others. And that's exactly what we're supposed to be about, all right? He says, as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Now, what he's not saying is you can't like stuff, because I like stuff, all right? I like stuff. I like stuff, okay? Just going to admit it. <laughs> There's some stuff I really like. <laughs> Anyways, but what I know this, man, it's just like, like for a long time, I lived a life of self-satisfaction. And it was killing me pretty quickly, and I really didn't care. Okay? And for years, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it until I started realizing that I was hurting people that I loved. 
And even if I tried to stay away from them, I realized I was hurting them. I didn't understand that what I thought looked really good on me was killing me and affecting them. Um, Debbie and I were cruising through Sedona one time. I'll just kind of illustrate this for you a little bit. We're cruising through Sedona a while back, and I thought I saw this really, really killer-looking tree. It just looked so green. It was so beautiful and stuff like that. And, uh, and then it was crazy when, when I saw this tree, all right, we got up a little bit closer. And check it out. I got a picture for you real quick. All right. When we got up real close, I started to notice, man, wait a second. That tree that I thought was so beautiful is actually dead. And there was this plant on it just sucking the life out of it killing it. And it made it look like it was a beautiful tree. It made it look real, real pretty. I mean, so much that we were like, oh, man, let's go check that out. But when we got close, we're like, oh, dang. That's a really pretty blood-sucking tree, a plant on that tree. <laughs> but the tree itself is dead as a doornail. And that was my life. All right? Before I recognized my identity and before I recognized what my belonging that was my life. What I thought looked good on me was, in fact, killing me. Well, look what he says here, though, man. He says, he says, abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul. Now, here's what I know about war. I don't know a lot about war, but what I do know about war is that war is not very, it's not very good to fight a war by yourself. The war is, not, the war is best fought, all right, with an army. Amen? With an army. All right? And so what I recognize is that identity, all right, reveals belonging, all right? And then, and then this belonging gives us a beginning sense of autonomy. Not only what kind of influence I have, but what kind of influence we have together. And how we, in that belonging, we're working with one another to help one another be this greater witness for the glory of God, all right? What I ended up, what I thought was impossible, because there was a lot of years where I was living life just like that tree. You know what I mean? I thought it looked good, but you know, really I was just being killed. There's a lot of, a lot of years I, I just lived life like that tree. And I, and I thought, you know what? It's going to be impossible for me to just shake this, shake that plant off me. It's going to be really, really impossible for me just to shake that and actually be a tree again. All right? <laughs> just, I don't think that's, I just don't think that's going to happen until, you know, God in giving me his identity, identity, uh, giving me identity, revealed his people, and then I realized that there were people that actually were dealing with the same thing, and as a war, as, as an army, we were able to fight that war together. And we recognized that the influence we have on one another is a great influence to have for those who have none. Right? The, 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 I think it was Rick Warren, he says, the, you know, the best, uh, you know, reason for having influence is to is to have influence for those who don't have any influence. Uh, that's a great thing. And so this identity that reveals my belonging and this belonging that gives me a sense of, of autonomy leads to a life of purpose. Leads us to a life of purpose. Check this out. In verse 12, he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles, those um, who don't know they can know Jesus yet, right? Not slamming people, 
There's just some people that just don't know they can know Jesus. There's a lot of people that don't know how loved they are until we show them, right? Yeah, we'll get stiff-armed here. We'll get stiff-armed over there and stuff like that. But you know what? Then we can just love them from a distance, amen? It's all good. Look what he says right here. He says in verse 12, keep your conduct among those, all right, Gentiles honorable. Keep it honorable. So that when they speak, maybe even evil against you as evildoers, like you guys are all tripped out. You don't know what you're talking about. They may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, what does that all mean? I'm just going to make it real basic. Jesus, I mean, Peter was with Jesus uh, back in the day. Remember, Peter's writing this after Jesus had died, um, was buried, rose, resurrected from the grave, and ascended into heaven and sent down his Holy Spirit and the you know, grand opening of the church, all this stuff. This is Peter in his later years writing this, this letter back to the church. And I would have to think a lot of times when he, and you can see it's evident when he's writing, he's remembering these times that he was with Jesus because Peter hung out with Jesus when, when he was here, you know, doing all his cool stuff. And I have to remember, I have to think with this verse, and you'll see why, that, that when Peter, I think he was reflecting on a time when he was with Jesus, and Jesus was kind of like, came up to this like little bit of a little hill, all right? The Bible describes he was on this little hill, and all the people were gathered, and he, he called his disciples real close, and he started teaching. And then just in some of the, not, not exact opening words, but right after his opening words, he shared this right here. Peter, uh, Jesus said this. He says, you are, again, there you are again. You are the salt of the earth. Now we've taken that phrase and we've made this really cool thing. They're the salt of the earth. These ones right here. This is like those kind of people. All right. Now here's what it means. All right. Well, let me get to that real quick. Let me read this first. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, then how shall it be salty? How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Again, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then he goes into this one. And you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do you light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. You see how it kind of works with that last verse that Peter gave us? So they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let me ask you this. What does salt do? Flavor. Flavor. Adds flavor. So we add some flavor to the world. I knew it. Salt preserves. Back in this time right here, salt did add some flavor, but it also, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers to put their meat in and stuff, so they would coat it in salt and it would preserve that meat for a later date. That's how they did This is the audience he's talking to. All right, what does light do? Light, let me ask you this more specifically. When you shine light in front of other people, what does it do for them? Huh? Illuminates, what else? Helps them see. Light shows the way, right? Light shows the way. You know, I mean, too many Christians are shining light in people's faces. Hey, let me help you see this. Boom. All right. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> I can't, I don't even know if I'm alive anymore. I mean, just, all I can see is this red spot in my face. No, man, it's like, so, so, so we know that salt preserves, all right, adds flavor and preserves, and light shows the way when handled correctly, when handled the way it's used. And so he's telling us our purpose in this world as identity, 
all right, reveals belonging. And as, and as, and as belonging, all right, gives us this beginning understanding of autonomy. And as, and, as, and, as, and as identity and belonging and autonomy working together leads us to a purpose. As Jesus says, you are, and he brings us back to this identifiable purpose of who we are. You're the salt of the world. You add a good flavor to the world. Too much salt ruins the food, right? Just right amount of salt, man. It's like, man, this tastes a lot better, right? Salt also preserves. It preserves the word. It preserves the love. It preserves the testimony of, of, of Jesus Christ, you know, uh, our, our, who died, who was buried, and who rose again. It preserves the, uh, our, the, the beginning, the, 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 the catalyst of our faith. Jesus and light shows the way. Shows the way. And what I know about this, man, when we go back to that 10, 80, 10, and we all thought, you know what, it'd be really cool if we could all be that first 10. This gets us ready. This prepares the way. And what I know about a ready person is anybody, you know, what, what, what do you know about a ready person? Anybody remember? A ready person don't need to get ready. Amen? A ready person don't need to get ready. It's pretty dang cool, ain't it? <laughs> all right. And so when, we, when, when, we're, when we're already ready, all right, and we come into contact with things that are crazy or, you know, that create confusion and craziness, man, and things that are flying everywhere, all right, we, we might even trip on our own self, all right, that we have actually the power to stay cool-headed even in the middle of all of it and actually lead, that we can't become that first 10. But what do you need to do about this? What do you need to do about this? You see, as you're listening to all this, you're like, man, sounds good. Sounds cool. All right. I want to be that first 10. I could tell you a bunch of stuff to do, but I think you know what is in your way of becoming this person this person that God already says you are or is saying you can be. What's keeping you from believing who you are already? What's keeping you from believing who you can be or reaching for it? How can you own the position and refuse to merely just claim the title? That's a question for you, man. Uh, you have to identify what's in your way. You have to identify your surrounding. You have to identify what you're allowing from the inside, all right, right up here to create obstacles that prevent you from pursuing God and knowing Him better and making Him known. You have to identify what is hindering you from owning the position. I mean, we could buy t-shirts all day long. I'm a Christian, right? Earrings or necklaces or tattoos. I got Jesus written right here. So, sounds good. Let me see him, right? What's in your way, man? 
Maybe it's our focus. How many times we just try and try and try and we look in the mirror, man, we're like, come on, come on, you could do it. And then then all of a sudden we just fail ourselves. What if instead of focusing on ourselves and just looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, come on, man, you can do this. What if we just put our eyes on Christ? You're like, how in the world do I do that? I know you're going to say something over spiritual like that. How do I do that, man? It just begins with a commitment to say, Lord, you first. Lord, you first. I get really goofy with this, Lord, you first thing. When I'm back here getting ready to come out here and preach, and I start to walk out the door and I stop, I go, oh, dang, open the door, Lord, you first. I'm not kidding, man. I just figure if I could practice that in, you know, an elementary, you know, understanding that maybe I can learn from that beginning point. And it might be just helpful for you. When you're getting ready to say that conversation, you're getting ready to spout off that craziness, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. Lord, you first. Lord, you first. I can't get into your day-to-day so much and say, do this right here. This is how you do this. But I know that if you really want to, you have to begin with your identity in Christ, your belonging in his body, and your influence, all right, with his body to change the world for his glory. And there we find our purpose. Praise the Lord. Amen. Lord, you first. Father, we give you the praise.